February 4th, 2022. We're in Masechet Sanhedrin and Daf Nun Amud Bet. And if you can't count up from where the lines are widened, it's six lines up in the middle of the line. And the Gemara is still not wrapping up, still debating, still discussing the Mahlokir Bishimon and Hachamim. Of course, recorded in our Mishnah with regards to the order of severity with regards to Arba'a Mitot Betin. Fundamentally, for our purposes, <coughs> Rabbi Shimon has as first in the severity, Serefa, the Hachamim have Sekila. And the Gemara, as it described this Mahloket and several other that, uh, that emanate from it, explained that really what lies at the core of this Mahloket in terms of textual proofs is the fact that when the Torah in Parashat Emor refers to the elevated status of a bat kohen with regards to her punishment if she's mizana. There's a mahlok, there's a dispute of understanding as to what type of or what circumstance of bat kohen we're dealing with. According to the hachamim, it's specifically a bat kohen nisua. If she's married, whereas a Yisrael, Yisraelit, would be deservant of henek, this woman gets serefat, an elevated status. According to Bishimon, it's even while engaged. While engaged, the Torah tells us in Sefer Devarim, all women, if they're engaged and they have, and they're mizana, in that circumstance, they're liable to sikila. According to the Chachamim, that's a higher level, more severe than Serefa. Chachamim accordingly say that an Arusa Bat Kohen gets sikila. It's Rabbi Shimon who disagrees and says, an Arusa Bat Kohen gets Serefa because Serefa is Hamurami sikila. That's the technical legwork that we've been dealing with. Says the Gemara, let's go backward yet a bit more to understand Rabbi Shimon yet a bit better. Says the Gemara, my Rabbi Shimon. <clears throat> let's try to delve into this opinion of Rabbi Shimon. Again, who does not distinguish in the context of Bat Kohen between Nisua and even Arusa, that both of them get Serefa. De Tanya, the Beraita records the following. Rabbi Shimon Omer Shene Kelalot Ne'emru Bat Kohen. Statement initially in this Beraita is there are two klalot. Of course, in Hebrew, both in rabbinic and contemporary Hebrew, we refer to kelal as the collective. Perat is the specific. I talk about the kelal, perat, kelal. Talk about something being general, then it being more specific in detail, and then perhaps being general again if I'm talking about kelal, perat, uklal. In this circumstance, what the Gemara is referring to is the fact that the Torah seems to, in a simple and general fashion, talk about two principles when it comes to, and we'll see in just a moment, not just Bat Kohen, any woman. There are two principles with regards to her unfortunate zenut circumstances. Well, what are they? We know exactly what they are. I, uh, I introduced them just a moment ago. When a woman is engaged, her punishment is sikila, if she's to be found in that circumstance. When a woman is married, well, generally speaking, a woman is behenik. Those are the general principles. If you read the Torah carefully through the prism of the hachamim, those are the two principles we're talking about. As a result, says the Gemara, wait a second, to call it general and refer to it as a bat kohen, that's a difficult statement. That's not a general statement. It says, Are you telling me these general statements about punishment are specific, specific in terms of Bat Kohen? Those are not general. That would be specific. Okay, so the beginning of just understanding the methodology over here, says the Gemara, or says the Beraita, goes as follows. I need to take a big step back and just take it all in. I want to look at the Torah and understand 
principles, general principles. Give me the framework. Give me the lay of the land. The lay of the land goes as follows. If I'm talking in a general sense, when a woman's in Arusa, she has an elevated status of punishment. Sikila. When a woman's married, she has chenek. That's general. That means that that would apply. It would assume, it would, uh, it would, uh, assume at first glance both to Israel and to Kohen. I don't know anything more. I don't know anything less. I know the general rules. That's all. I went to the 101 class. I went to the introductory class. That's the first statement with regards to the Bishimon. Says the Gemara. Says the Beraita onward. However, <clears throat> if you continue delving inward to the Torah, if you continue paying attention to details, and if you look carefully in the Torah, the Torah then removes a principle. It says, which means to say, as follows, for Rabbi Shimon, and this was something that someone asked me about after class yesterday, and I tried to make clear, I said, this Beraita will make it clear. If we're talking about opening up to the text of Parashat Emor, to Vayikra, what is it, Perik Chafalif, Chafbet, in those in that area, if you're to open to the text and just read it, and I handed you the text and I said, translate it, no Perush Rashi, no Unkulus, no nothing, just translate the text. The text is in its most simple rendition according with Rabbi Shimon. Why do I say so? Because the Torah simply says, Ubat Ish Kohen, the daughter of a Kohen. If she is mizana, if she has illicit, illegal relations, stop using your logic. Don't give me any of your other deductions. What does the text say? It says if there's a woman who's born into a Kohen family, her punishment for zenut is serefa. Doesn't matter, Arusan That's a whole Megillah, as Ashkenazim would say, of the, of the Hachamim. You're too far. That's the statement over here thus far in the Beraita. Talk about general principles and then pay attention to detail. General principles are I distinguish by Bat Israel and Bat Kohen between Erusin and Nisuin. Now. Now that you gave me the general principle, now tell me, you have a detail? Yes, I have a detail. Bat Kohen is different. In what way is it different? It get, she gets serefa. Under what circumstances? She gets serefa. When? Both. In other words, that's a simple reading. That's what the Beraita is making clear thus far. Continues the Beraita. Furthermore, and more fundamental, less, less specific to Bat Kohen, more global to in general, punishments, understanding them. The same way when I deal with a Nisua, whom we know gets Henek, and we're now taking her from Henek and giving her Serefa. That's clear. Even the Hachamim agreed to that. Yes, everybody agrees to that circumstance. You've bumped it up because of the severity of Bat Kohen. We call that Humra. Both Hachamim and even Rabbi Shimon agree that that's called Humra. When you go from Henek up to Serefa, it's exactly that. It's going up. That's in the context of Nisua, says Rabbi Shimon, so to speak, to the Hachamim. When I'm dealing in the realm of marriage, of Nisua, you agreed to me that the severity rose when you went from Henek to Serefa. Why? Bat Kohen. So too, he says, by extension, just parallel it. When she's engaged, when she's Arusa, you told me it's a different punishment than usual. Hachamim, you might disagree with that. 
you might have some sort of fancy reading over here. But the simple reading, just open to the text, Parashat Temor, Arusa, Nesua, it's all the same thing. And in all the circumstances, you're ostensibly going up in severity. Now, what would an Arusa Bad Yisrael get? Sekila. What's an Arusa Bad Kohen getting? Serefa. Clearly, Serefa, says Rabbi Shimon, is more habur than Sekila. That's the statement. Again, we've dealt with this, albeit in a roundabout fashion throughout. It would have been nice, so to speak, if we started the whole sugya with this. But this is really what it's all about. Everything that has gone from this is a circular motion to bring us back to this. This is the mahloket at its core between the Bishimon and the Chachamim. Continues the Beraita with another detail. You should know, since we began somewhat generally, since our first vision of the Torah is this general statement, look at all women equivalently in the same way. Look at all women and say, in theory, both Kohen and Yisrael would get when engaged, Sekila, when married, Hanuk, until I have some text which takes it out of it. Okay, so that means when I'm dealing with specifically the Bat Kohen, there are details attached to her because I had a sensitive reading of the text. What about something similar but not directly parallel to that detail? For example, our favorite example of The last law, which again flows from a proper understanding of the free- previous ones, goes as follows. If you're dealing with Edim Zomimin, as we've mentioned and discussed on more than one occasion, the entirety of the first chapter in Masechet Makot deals with this circumstance described in Sefer Devarim of Edim Zomimim, the rabbinic understanding of what Edim Zomimim is as follows. If two witnesses are found to be conspiring witnesses, Zimima means a, a conspiracy. What's that? One second, not a woman. No, no, no. Two male witnesses walk into the court and they testify about a woman. You can testify about a woman. They testify about a woman and they're found to be false conspiring witnesses. What did they testify and how were they found to be false? They testified that this woman, who's a bat kohen, either nisua or arusa, had zenut, had improper relations. In such a circumstance, under any of those sorts of circumstances, if I testify about him or about her, that they violated Shabbat, and I'm found to be false, we'll talk about what that means in a second, the punishment that I get is commensurate, is equal to what I tried to give to them. The Torah says you need to do to them, to the conspiring witnesses, as they wanted to do to the other. What does it mean, Edim uh, Zomimim? Why not just call it Edeh Sheker? It's because it's only in specific circumstances where the witnesses are displaced. Not that we found factual evidence against them. Not that we found, but wait a second, there are problems in your testimony because you're missing, you're missing evidence on this or on something else. But rather, we have witnesses who say about these two witnesses, you were with us on that day in a different place. That's called Edim Zomimim. Well, that all being the case, the Beraita reports something contrary to what I just told you. I just told you we say, We do to those conspiring witnesses as they hoped to do to the other. However, if it's Zomimebat Kohen Arusa, what are we imagining the punishment would be? Well, Serefa, according to Rabbi Shimon, Sekila, no, Arusa, Sekila, according to the Hachamim, says, says the Beraita, everybody agrees it's Sekila. Like Israel, even a Bishimon. 
What about Zomeme Bat Kohen Nesua? Serefa, according to everyone. That's the Peshat and Pesukim. Zomimim, I conspired about that wo- woman. She's a married, uh, I can't use any last name, Oscar. Okay, whatever. Uh, but then I wanted to use a Kohen Syrian last name, but then everybody will get angry. Yeah, but, Cohen. All right, there's no Cohens in the Stanley's not here. And that's uh, Cohen. You know, whatever she's, uh, my grandmother was a Cohen, right? She's, uh, she's a Cohen, but Cohen, and now she's, and now I'm found to be conspiring witness. She was scot-free, and I'm found to be the, the false one. She would be getting, again, according to everyone, Serefa. What is done to me in court? Hanek. Why am I getting Hanek? Like a Bat Yisrael. But you were conspiring to give the more severe punishment. Everybody agrees. Hanek versus Serefa. So first and foremost, the Pasuk says, Et avia hi mehalelet ba'eshti saref. We'll see that later on in the Gemara. That's what we call Gezerat HaKatuv. The Pasuk talks about her. It doesn't need to have that extra word of hi mehalelet. She's the one who profaned. And so therefore it's specifically her as opposed to conspiring male witnesses. But furthermore, if we were to begin, as we did in this Biraita, with a methodology which goes as follows. Take everything in. Look in general at the circumstance, all women equal. All women equal with regards to punishment, both Israel and Kohen. It means my knee-jerk response when I deal with a married woman is panic. Now I'm dealing specifically with this woman, so I alter it and I say, as I'm about to punish, because she's a bat Kohen. But that means to say the details that might creep into this case. For example, the conspiring witnesses, the Eidim Zomim, they're not going to follow that detail. They revert back to the initial principle, the general principle. general principle is that a married woman's severity of punishment is Hanek. That's the understanding here in this Beraita. So again, just in terms of the law and the technical details aside, says the Beraita and it's... Why shouldn't they know that she's a Kohen? She gets that too. Why shouldn't they get the same one? Again, two, two reasons. Number one, Gezerat HaKatuf. He. And the Gezerat HaKatuf has, a, it's more than Gezerat HaKatuf because it has a logic. The logic is the, the, the profaned circumstance is specifically when you're a Bat Kohen and you did it to your tribe. It's true, you tried, but you're outside of the tribe. To do it from outside of the Kihuna tribe, you're trying to be blaspheme and do something wrong about them, still not the same thing as from in our midst, in our living room, this is what took place. So that's first and foremost. But secondly, it's because even though, and there's a dichotomy here, okay, it'll turn into a Musar. All right, I like this. Just one second. Yeah, go ahead. Is applied similarly in this circumstance as well, uh, but uh, just uh, in terms of in terms of the, the the general principle. So it goes as follows, at least in terms of the takeaway over here. It goes like this: instead of envisioning the individuality of this bat kohen as exactly that above and beyond everything and saying she's absolutely different. And so therefore, when you testified about her, you testified about a different person and circumstance. We say it's not so. There's a general principle. Happens to be, quote, technically speaking, we would give her a different punishment, but to the extent that we need to see it all as one, while at the same time she's different, we're going to give you the punishment of the general aspect. Well, that all being the case, it again goes as follows for our purposes. It again goes as follows for our purposes. The halakha is that the zomeme bat kohen, whether arusa or nesua, would get the punishment of Yisrael. Arusa meaning sekila. Nisua um, meaning Hanek. And again, the Musar in that respect is uh, generally speaking, and of course, that so is the challenge. Is also true then. So if a Kohen is trying to zomem a. Uh, she's, he's 
But a Kohen is a man. The man always gets the same punishment. It's only the Bat Kohen who gets that punishment. So you don't have such an issue with, with a, Kohen, a Kohen male. So you wouldn't have. But in theory, yes. Um, uh, but, but the Musar just very briefly goes as follows. The question is when you're a member of a community, any community, mention it as the larger national community of Am Yisrael, mention it as the more specific community of uh, that of Brooklyn, New York, where we live, mention it as your synagogue, mention it as your family, whatever it is, there are several, uh, several identification cards that you hold. First and foremost, there's a communal national card that you hold. At the same time, there's an individual card that you hold. And the question always is, so where is and how is it that I fit into one while at the same time having the other as well? It's a dual membership. How can I have a dual membership if I am different in some way or fashion? So how is it that at the same time relate to something greater than myself? Any community that can't, that is rigid to the extent that there can't be individuality, is a problematic community. That's the community of Korach. No room for hierarchy, no room for differentiation. It's talit that's a Korach assembly. If alternatively it's an assembly which is nothing of that sort, Every individual is different than the other and can't see together. Well, that's negating the, the unity and the, and, the, and, the, and the unique aspect of Am Yisrael, the greatness of Am Yisrael, the ability to bind together. That's a circumstance of a sota. That's a woman who can't see herself as part of something larger than herself. And it's the very beginning of Sefer B'midbar, we're describing what it means to be a part of something greater than yourself. You can't find your way into that to the extent that you need to bring yourself out because you want to exert your individuality. That's who you are. You have no place in something greater than yourself. That's the dichotomy. That's the paradox. That's, 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 that's certainly. But what? I, but again, it's the paradox that each of us should, and I think do, struggle with on a consistent basis. We, on the, on the one hand, want to contribute to something greater than ourselves. On the other hand, need to and know in order to contribute properly, need to exert who we are at our core. Okay, continues the Gemara over here, and it has the following Biraita, Tanura Banan, and this Biraita will take us through the rest of the class, and perhaps into uh, a later one as well. The Biraita has several principles and laws with regards to this whole business, which we've been discussing and understanding thus far of Abad Kohen, Arusa, Nesua, and the various laws and applicability. Says the Biraita, Beginning with the pasuk ubat ish kohen ki tehel. That last word ki tehel is, is a word that Morris Catton was pointing to me and questioning just a day or two ago. That word tehel is a hard word to translate. It's peshat. It's simple interpretation. Means to begin. Hathala means to begin. So the pasuk says abat kohen abat ish kohen when she begins to do zenut. That just seems like an extra word. When she begins. What's that? Difficult word. You have, you have that word, which is difficult. For example, by Noah. The Pasuk says, when Noah disembarks the uh, ark, Noah begins. He begins what? Well, every, almost every time you have that sort of shorash in the Torah, the hachamim don't get nervous, but they question it. 
what is it adding to my storyline? So by Noah, I have him, you know, a derasha that's a chat attached to it. What does it add over here? What the hachamim often will do, and you'll see they're doing it over here, is they turn it into a derasha. Instead of reading it as peshat hathala, they read it as derasha. It's milashon hulin. It's milashon profane. It's talking about taking away from sanctity. So somehow, they're going to be doresh, this word tahel, and they're going to understand it means to counter kiddushah. All right, well, what was her action? Her action was zenut, but there's an extra word in the pasuk. The extra word is, uh, she took away kedushah. Does that mean, and you'll see it in just a moment together with me, does that mean in other circumstances where she takes away kedushah, she gets treated more severely or differently than Yisrael? For example, Abat ish kohen is mehalelet shabbat. Serefah. Do you understand the question? The fact that the pasuk begins with that word tahel, it raises our eyebrows. It means everything we're talking about over here is her action taking away sanctity. Says the Beraita as, as a result. Yachol afilu Shabbat. Would you? Just the first part of the Beraita. Just the first few lines. Yes. But again, you should know. I mean. It, the answer is yes, and it could have ended there, but we're gonna we're gonna scale it back. We're gonna say it's, it's, it's even even even, even in that midrashic interpretation, we won't end there. But yes, we entertain the possibility to the extent that the midrash over here would would potentially dictate a halacha in a in a circumstance where the hachamim know quote unquote what we call peshat. This is not. It might render a halacha. It touches on this question, Gabe, touches on the general question of when hachamim make derashot, and I refer to almost all the derashot of the hachamim, do they, in their mind, envision that as what we would call peshat? There's more than one circumstance in Talmud where they have this statement, en The pasuk shouldn't be taken out of its peshat understanding. Oh, but wait a second. Do you mean to tell me gezerah shabbat is peshat? It says one word over here and another word over here, and we learn dozens, myriads of laws from that. Do you mean to tell me that anything and have that hekesh is in mikrayos and so forth? Do you mean to tell me this is in mikrayos and so So, so I, I would I would tell you that the general gist of what peshat means according to the hachamim, there's a book called Peshat and Derash written by Professor David Weiss Halivni, and he makes the following argument, and he has a good good sourcing and, and arguments along this line. He says peshat in the eyes of the hachamim is milashon. I've said this more than once. Lehavshit lehavshit means to spread out. It means say peshat is not the way you and I talk. I think you and I talk about it. what's the most simple interpretation of the text. It means what is it contextually speaking telling me? Contextually speaking, therefore, is a lot more expansive than you and I think. It means I have to look at the whole Torah together and a word over here and a word over there are linked together. That's peshat. It means if I can't give a good reason to why the word tahel was mentioned over here, that's a contextual difficulty. Peshat, a different interpretation. But wait a second, it's not what the word means in its most simple interpretation. Contextually, I had a difficulty, I might call that peshat. But at the same time, midrashim sometimes do bring forth halachot. Midrash agada sometimes brings forth halachot. It is just a reality of the hachamim's thought system and our system. Anyway, says the Gemara over here, Talmud lomar not. Don't get too carried away, says the, Gemara, says the Beraita. Don't think that Abat Ish Kohen is to the extent that her severity, which is dealt to her, of Serefa is applicable even when she profanes Shabbat. No, it's when she's tahil, when her hall is in the context of Zenut. 
not in the context of Chidul Shabbat. As the Gemara, and I'll tell it to you already, now as the Gemara elaborates and elucidates and deals with this Beraita, it makes clear exactly what we're dealing with. Says the Gemara, I'll tell you what the Hava Amina over here was. It goes like this. If I'm going to understand this woman as a member of this tribe called Kehuna, I might therefore determine that Kohanim have more mitzvot than Yisrael and therefore their actions are more severe and potent than mine. And therefore, I might extend this beyond Zenut. The Pasuk tells you differently, which is a fascinating thought. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Rav Yosef Engel in his book, Le'er Kahtov, deals with this, elaborates upon this point to the extent that what we're arguing then is an external reality is going to determine my action. I'm a Kohen, and therefore, I know the Kohanim are eating this up, therefore my actions in all contexts, not Bikat Kohanim, not Tiruma, not Korbanot, in all circumstances are more severe, they're more potent. You know, so uh, uh, the, the, there's a question of Primegadim. If you sin, not eating kosher, on Shabbat, if I, Lo Aleinu, did so, is that more severe than during the weekdays? External reality happens to be Shabbat. Are my actions, is my status, is the stature, is the circumstance, the context, therefore more severe? It's a fascinating thought. That's really what we're teasing out over here. That's really what we're entertaining. Until the Pasuk tells me, Liz not, I thought that we might treat her more severely in all circumstances. Anyway, I mean, that's the classic situation of the firstborn in the family. We treat, we expect more from you. And therefore, although your younger sibling did differently, we thought that your action carries more weight but it's the exact same action, exact same circumstance, more weight. That's the Hava Amina. And the statement, therefore, is Talmud Omar, Liznot Behilulin Shebiznut HaKatu Medabev. The statement is only and specifically for Hilulin, for profaning Kedushah in the context of Zenut. That's where you have this punishment of Serifah. Continues the Beraita, Yachol Afilu What sort of woman are we dealing with? Everything that this class, that the Gemara in the last page and a half has been dealing with is Arusa, Nesua. What if she's Pinuya? What if she's not even engaged? And she, Lo Aleinu, she's Mizana. She, she has illicit, wrongful relations. In that circumstance, Serifa. Now, generally speaking, you should know that the halakha is panuya, bala, penuya. When you're dealing with single men and women, although it's not what we want, it's not death penalty. It's not death penalty. Is that really what we're entertaining? The answer is yes. We're really entertaining. The Gemara will suggest this is specifically according to the opinion of Rabbi Eliezer. Eliezer's opinion is that panuya bala panuya is zenut, which means to say if a woman were in that circumstance too, even when she's single, have wrongful relations, have relations with someone who's not her husband, she's therefore asura le kohen. Right? The Torah says at the beginning of Parashat Emor that a kohen's not allowed to marry a zona. So that's the opinion of Eliezer. But taken, taken at its most simple sense, what's that? Well, that's what we're talking about. So that's the question. The question is if she's a bat kohen, and she's Pinuya. Would we burn her? The answer will be no. Um, but the Hava Amina is yes, because since, according to Rabili Ezer, we take the severity of even single relations um, to the extent that now she's Asur al Kohen, it means it was significant on the status, on the level of what we call Zenut, maybe this would be a part of it as well. Not the same, apparently, as when she's engaged, which makes sense. There's no illegal to the extent that the Isur from the Torah for uh, Yisrael, for example, would be Sekilah to therefore apply it to her. Go ahead. 
Panui Habala Penuya. Correct. Uh, so, so the answer is Malkot. And so the thought over here is maybe we're going to give her more. But again, it wouldn't be enough because it's not going to be called Zenut. Even for Yisrael, you're not dealing with Zenut per se. If the halacha is, that doesn't therefore nullify the woman to marriage other than be the answer. But that will be the Havah. I mean, over here, says the Gemara, no, I'll tell you, it's not so. It means that the woman is either engaged or married, either Arusa or Nesua. How do I know so? The Pasuk in Parashat Emor, when it talks about the Bat Kohen, uses that word Aviyah. The Pasuk in the context in, uh, in Parashat Kitese of a Bat Israel, who's an Arusa, as well uses that word Aviha. She's coming from her father's household and so forth. That Those two words apparently are linked up. It's called Gezer Shabbat. To tell you, says the Beraita, that the same way by the Bat Israel, there's what's called Zikat. Zikat means it's connected to a husband of some sort, either an engaged husband or a married husband. So too by the Bat Kohen as well. She would not get Serefa. The severity of the action is not treated as such unless she's connected to a significant other in her life. Perhaps the only reason it says Aviha suggests the Gemara is to tell you that this punishment of Bat Kohen is only if she had relations with her father. She had relations with anyone else. Perhaps this whole severity that we've been dealing with is not relevant. In other words, throw out your Gezer HaShavah. Throw out your understanding that we've had the entire Tudapim. That was never the point of the Torah. Parashat Emor, perhaps the Torah is only talking about when she has relations with her father. What's the proof? Aviyah Yimechalele. Says the Gemara. Says the Gemara. Kshuomer Yimechalelet. Says the Gemara, the Pasuk says, Et avia hi She is profaning her father. Pasuk does not say her father is profaning with her. Pasuk does not say she's profaning with her father. Pasuk says her father, Hazit, is reflexively receiving Hilul. As a result, the understanding is he's not a part of this or he doesn't need to be a part of this. And as a result, this word Aviyah is in turn opened up for Gezerah Shabbat to teach us it needs to be Shizarusa or Neswa. So the first two halachot that we learned in this Beraita are number one. Uh, when we talk about Bat, Bat Ish Kohen getting Serefa only for Zenut, not for Chilul Shabbat. Number two, Bat Ish Kohen, not when she's single, well, she shouldn't be doing that, but only when she's in Arusa and a Nesua. Lastly, I guess for today, Ima Lehalan Na'ara Vihi Arusa, Afkan Na'ara Vihi Arusa. Says Gemara, okay, so you told me I have a Gezerah Shabbat, the Gezerah Shabbat, again, this linking, one of the Midosh Torah Nidreshet Bahem, of one word to the other, of one circumstance to another, was from a Bat Ish Yisrael Arusa to our Bat Ish Kohen. And you told me it needs to be when that woman, that was the law you learned, is in some way connected to a significant other, either Arusa or Nesua. But wait a second. If you pay careful attention, Parashat Kitese, the Pasuk is specifically and only talking about a Na'araham Orasa. Na'ara refers to a woman who begins the stage of maturity. She has what's called Shenesa Arot. She's now already growing hairs, pubic hairs. However, she's not fully matured. 
Now that's a very sensitive time period. It's a very short time period envisioned by the Hachamim. But that's what the Torah is talking about. Do you mean to tell me there as well that in Parashat Emora, all this conversation about this Bat Ishkwen, specifically when she's an Ara, if she's a Bogeret, if she's a Zekena, if she's older than the specific sensitive time of Na'ara, Na'arut, she no longer has this severity, or maybe it's a different severity. Is the law so confined and narrow? After all, you told me Gezerah Shavah, perhaps if she's a Na'aravihi Nesu'ah, perhaps if she's actually a Na'arav, but she's Nesu'ah, she's not Arusah. After all, the case by the Israel was when it was Arusah. Bogeret vihi Arusah, or she's Bogeret. Bagrut refers to uh, maturity. When she's more mature, she finished her signs of physical maturity. Bogeret vihi Nesu'ah, maybe if she's fully mature and she's married, these laws don't apply. After all, you told me I have to compare it to the Israel. Israel was very specific. Israel was Na'ara Mo'orasah. Halfway matured and only engaged. Well, if you tell me I have to compare it to my Bat Kohen, perhaps it's exactly that. Anything different, more mature, married, anything. How do I know that this law applies to a Batish Kohen, even if she's beyond the stage of Bagrut? She's a Kena. She's beyond the maturity side. She's moved into a domain, quote unquote, of elderly age. That wouldn't matter over here. We're, we're arguing even this law. In truth, even if a father's not alive, this halacha would apply. But how do I know? Perhaps it has to be exactly Tamud Lomar Ubat Kohen Mikol Makom. The Rasha is to counter that, although it says Aviha, if these specific realities were in place by Bat Kohen, you'd need to be more specific even in the narrow confines of Bat Kohen, which oh, means to say she's always Bat Kohen, whether she's Arusa or Nesua, whether she's Na'ara, Bulgerit, or Zekena, these halachot would always apply. All right, let's stop there. The Baraita, therefore, for us has mentioned three halachot. It's got three more, and then a discussion and deliberation about each one of them. Baruch Adonai Amen, Amen.